Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter and ideas can shape markets and they can change the world. And we're going to spend some time today at the great conversation in security and talk to uh, a gentleman who's been around the great conversation for a number of years. In fact, when he was first announced as a keynote at the great conversation, he was probably one of the seminal leaders. He uh, hadn't spoken at that point in his career, hadn't spoken a lot in the industry. And, uh, and I'll never forget sitting in the room with him before we went on stage and very calm, uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Howard of Howard Consulting Services, former CSO of Microsoft, I'm sure like you and me are good fakers. We probably were a little nervous. I was a lot nervous. It was the first big engagement I ever, I ever spoke to. So yeah, I, I was plenty nervous. Yeah, well, we both were. Here's Mike Howard, iconic CSO of Microsoft. Here's Ron Warman, uh, the great conversation moderator. We, we were both nervous. We were going, this is our first exposure with each other in a formal environment. Right. And, uh, and, and son of a gun, you knocked it out of the park. Back in those days, you were articulating for your community how you step through the strategy and planning for a global wide implementation of Microsoft. And the first slide you showed is it used to be a server under a desk in a back room. Yeah. Yeah. We used to show that it was the sad guy slide of our old operations center. The guy looked like he wanted to kill himself, you know, with That's all the antiquated technology and everything. Yeah. Great with wires coming all over yep. the place and everything. But it, it was a, a seminal discussion. Uh, because I don't know if you remember this, but it wasn't long after that where GSOC became kind of a, a, a common term. It wasn't that common until we started talking about it. The great you started talking about it. The great conversation. So uh, I, I'll never forget those times. But you've been two years out of Microsoft, and uh, and now you have the privilege of pursuing things that that pique your interest. Tell me some of the things you've been involved with since you left Microsoft. Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. It's like old times, right? You know, talking to you. The only difference is that we don't, we have a virtual audience. We don't have like 400, 500 people in front of us on a stage, but I appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I made the conscious decision when I left Microsoft, you know, by that time I'd have, I don't know, 40, 41 years of work experience behind me in three different organizations. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to retire. I wanted to do other things. And so one of the things I've been pursuing is I've always wanted to write. So I've been writing a book on leadership. I also want to write fiction, but I decided to tackle the leadership piece first. Uh, so I've been busy doing that, just trying to take a look at my life and examples of great leadership, the times that I've made mistakes and hopefully, you know, provide some, some help to people uh, as they're on their own leadership journey. Um, you know, I've, I started my own consulting company, but, you know, I didn't want to be one of those folks that, you, know, you come out of position like I had as, as chief security officer and go right into a full-time gig, right? And consulting. That's fine for some people. It wasn't for me. Uh, so I started this Howard Consulting, but I don't advertise. I don't have a website. Um, and, you know, people find me out. And if I'm interested in, in helping them out, and, and, and that's a big part of it. If I think I can lend something to it, it's not about money. It's about if, if I can lend something to whatever their issue is, or in some cases, if I can mentor some people, then that, those are the things that turn me on. So I'm doing that. Spending obviously a lot of time with my wife, uh, Janice, and we moved to Las Vegas and, um, because we wanted sunshine and we wanted to be able to 
walking outdoors without getting rained on. And uh, but we're doing pursuits. We're, we're taking dance lessons. We're, we're working out together. We're doing some online courses, and so we're living life, a, a kind of a, a full life for us, I think after uh, the hectic pace of an enterprise world. Uh, so that, that's, that's how I'm, I'm whiling away my time and my retirement years, not on, not on a rocking chair by any means. So, uh, so for all of those listening, if you know Mike or you don't know Mike, you're gonna find out a little bit more about him. One of, one of the things I've learned is uh, since he has good taste in restaurants <laughs> and he gets to know really interesting people at these restaurants who become friends. Um, uh, those of you who live in Seattle like me, go visit the Bellevue El Gaucho, go into the bar and ask for the Mike Howard Vesper. Yeah. They'll, they'll know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was lucky enough. Uh, yeah, we, uh, that's one of my favorite drinks. I mean, you know, I'm a James Bond fan. Yep. That, that's his, that was one of his drinks of choice and you frequent this El Gaucho, which is a great restaurant. Shameless plug, uh, great great steak place. You and I've been there many times, uh, but yeah, they 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 have a kind of a, a list of for honored guests who I guess have probably dropped a lot of coin there, which is why. But they're also great people, and they have the Mike Howard Vesper on there. So uh, you and I need to actually be doing some of that sometime in the future. Well, uh, as soon as you can get on that plane safely again, uh, we're I'm up for it, okay. and uh, we'll probably invite a few friends too, huh? Amen. So. Um, but I, I'm interested in this book. Um, you're, you said generally it's, a, it's about leadership. Describe it for me. Where, where are you going with this book? Or what, what is this going to be about? So I, 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 right now it's called, uh, you know, uh, Strategic Leadership, a, a, a Journey. And, and that's basically what I'm trying to do. I, I took my life, and I used to present on leadership all the time, as you know. A lot of different aspects of it, but basically, I took my life and I'm I've broken it down into several areas. You know, where uh, when I was in the police department as a young police officer, in my in at 21 years old. Yeah. Then when I joined the CIA and for 22 years, and then of course Microsoft for 16. I took those and and without going, I don't. I, I'm not trying to make this into a you know this encyclopedia of leadership. All I'm all I'm doing is taking. The things that resonated with me at age 21, in my 30s and 40s and my 50s and early 60s, in terms of great leaders, as well as sometimes not so great leaders, you know, um, mentors, uh, ways of leadership that impacted me, how I learned leadership. And I'm, I'm taking them on a journey where you're, you're starting to walk, uh, crawl and walk and run um, because you don't just automatically become a, a great leader. It's a, it's, it's a lifelong journey, as you know. And so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm doing it through the lens of, of, of Mike Howard, right? Well, this is Mike Howard watching this particular person in the Oakland Police Department in my formative years. And when I made a mistake, how did that person handle it? Could have handled it this way or that way? If he handled it this way, I would have been demoralized, maybe. But if I handled it this way, I would have learned a good lesson about you know how you can forgive people's mistakes and grow from that and also maybe emulate some good practices from that particular individual and I, I, I replicate that throughout the book in terms of my journey um, and seeing different styles of leadership that actually if you go through all these leaders that don't know each other over three different organizations 
A lot of them have the same, the same very same traits. And then I think at the end, you know, what I do is I break down strategic lessons after each chapter, but at the end, you know, I'm going to put it together in terms of this is the common, these are the common threads that you see among all these leaders. Mm-hmm. And these are the things you may want to think about emulating. So that's kind of the gist of it. So are leaders born or made? I don't think they're born. Um, I, I definitely think they're made. But they're made out of, they're made from two different, I guess, parameters. They're made because number one, they decide at some point they want to be leaders. It's not, it's different from the people that, okay, you're a subject matter expert in this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a great CIA case officer. You know, I can spy all over the world, blah, blah, blah. Oh, great. Now that you've read certain, you can go ahead and be a, be, a, be a leader. No, you're a manager, right? And usually those don't become great leaders. They're, you have to have a conscious, my opinion, decision to, to lead. And if you take that, you kind of peel the layer off that just a little bit. It's not just wanting to lead, but you have to really examine why you want to lead, right? You want, you want the title? Title's fine. You want more money? That's fine. But what's the real driver, right? Is it because you want to give back or you, you want to mold other people and help them? Or is it just because you want status? So that's kind of the one parameter in terms of how leaders are, are, are made. I think that, so you gotta want it. And you know, I think the second aspect of how leaders are made is that, that issue of uh, just being, uh, I don't, I, they talk about servant leadership, but a big part of that servant leadership is the humility to learn and understand you don't know everything and to learn from your mistakes. Uh, there are too many leaders, I think, so-called leaders that kind of believe their own BS. They get to a certain level and then it's like, okay, I've done it. I don't have to learn anymore, right? Well, when you get there, then you stop being effective as a leader. You go, you kind of revert back to your manager. Well, the two buckets, right, are you have to have the desire and the conscious decision to make it and what are the drivers for that? And then you have to, you have to learn and you have to continue to learn. And you also have to learn from your mistakes. We all make them. And, uh, and, and that to me is how a leader is, is made. Mm-hmm. Those two buckets. Sure, sure. Um, on, on the idea of drivers. So let, let me pull on that thread a little bit. Um, you got to want it. And then you listed a number of different drivers. And you, you can talk about your experience with other leaders and or yourself, but if they choose the wrong driver, mm-hmm. first of all, can they choose a wrong driver? Will that driver skew their ability to be a great leader if, if, if they have the wrong motivation for doing so? Yeah, definitely. That's a, to me, it's a definite yes. So, you know, I've known, you know, I'll call me, I don't want to go back between leader and manager. We all know what, what I feel about that and what's been written about that, the difference. I say, okay, you're a leader and your main driver is you want recognition. Uh, you like the big attaboy pat on the back. You love the titles, all that good stuff. It doesn't inherently make you a bad person, but it does mean that your focus is no longer on the troops that you're leading or the people you're supposed to be raising up. Your focus is on you. Uh, in my book, I talk about this thing, we've talked about this before over the years, this idea of being selfless. And I've mentioned it, but I've never mentioned it, you know, in terms of the person that 
that uh, that was the one that, that taught me that concept who unfortunately just passed away about a month ago and I won't mention him in the book um, but when I was at CIA I was given my first leadership assignment two of us were called into the meeting one day we worked in the unit that did a lot of stuff overseas the boss was a you know, former Marine uh, fought in Vietnam great leader legend and he brought us in one day and just said, hey, you guys, uh, I think you guys have leadership potential. You're now going to be team leaders. And we would take units out to go do what we did. But he, he always told, he told this lesson, and it stuck with me for, I don't know, 50 years, 40 years. And he said, you guys, at this point, uh, have the right to be selfish. But he explained it. Not selfish in a bad way, but you want to grow your career. You want to make promotion. You want to look good in front of the boss. You want to... Uh, do all these things. Um, and that's fine. When you become a, a leader, that doesn't mean that changes. You still want to get promoted. You still want to get recognition, but your focus changes. Now you're selfless. And we kind of looked at each other like, oh, means you're taking care of them first. You know, their care, their feeding, their training, uh, you know, mentoring them, their, their promotions, their advancement, their career goals. That comes first. If you nail that, you'll be a great leader because they're going to do great things for you. Uh, but again, so, but, so yes, if you, if you go off the reservation that way, in terms of drivers, it will definitely skew, um, how you are as a leader. You may get things done, you know, with a lot of times, if you're a bad leader, you still get stuff done. You know, you're a micromanager, people hate you, but they're still going to do it because you're the boss. Why would you, but you're not a leader. That's a whole different area, as you know. Well, you know, I, I love that, Mike. Thank you very much for the transparency, too. So it seems to me then, following your, your logic ladder, there are, um, by being selfless, this mm -hmm. is kind of a contradiction in terms here, by mm -hmm. being selfless, that might be the most selfish thing you could do for yourself because it could give you all the rewards you're seeking by being selfless. People will follow you. You'll, uh, you'll be able to learn from your own mistakes. You will be able to hear them by being selfless, which just is going to make you a better leader. And mm -hmm. the money will come. If you don't worry about the money, the money will come. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's actually a great point. I, I think the difference is that you, you can be, uh, what is it, uh, selfishly selfless, Right. Uh, right. There's a chapter. There's a chapter. That's a chapter. Thank you. Thank you. Selfishly <laughs> selfless. But the difference is that, at least to me, it's you're not conscious about that, that selfish part of it. Right. It's an unconscious thing that happens. You may think about it every so often, but that's not, that's not a driver. It's, it, it, no. it, it is what it is, right? It's part of that, it's part of that, that, that molecule of leadership, and it's just it's there. Understand. Right? but it doesn't drive the organism. Well, we, we have a deep, deep within our human nature is just wanting to know we're relevant, that we matter, that, you know, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I can see where that could go bad or it could go good, but uh, you're, <laughs> you're, giving us, you're giving us the notion. I would imagine, let me ask you the next thing on the journey, because it is a journey. I love the fact that you're exploring this journey. So you might start with a notion of leadership. It's mm -hmm. kind of like when I'm learning a new craft. Uh, 
I'm almost faking it till I make it, right? At the beginning? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, my first leadership positions, besides the one I talked about, I had several in the agency uh, and throughout my career. And, you know, and yeah, I mean, you had a little bit of training, but yeah, you know, you, you, you do fake it until you make it. Same at Microsoft, right? You know, I, I came out of 22 years in government service and I've always said, you put me in any enterprise, whatever you call it, public or private, small, medium, large, I know I'm gonna make it, I'll figure it out, right? But going from government to private sector was a huge leap in terms of, I didn't know the DNA, the nomenclature, I, I didn't even know what ROI was, I didn't write, right? So that, so yeah, you kind of, you do kind of have to uh, fake it till you make it, as you say, and there's also a lot of insecurities, I think, that are built into that, you know, as you're going on your own journey, trying to figure out what kind of leader you want to be? Can you be a good leader? Um, doubts. One of the great things, as you know, I like to read biographies because most of the biographies you read, whether it's Winston Churchill or, you know, uh, Golda Meir or all these people, they, all of them at some point had doubts about their abilities to lead and, and do what was now thrust in front of them, in many cases, dire situations in terms of the survival of their countries. Um, and, and so, you know, when it comes to the, fact of, uh, of insecurity and doubting yourself, that's all part of that leadership journey. You just can't let it overcome you, you know, and that, you know, if you, once you let it overcome you, then you're ineffective. But if you acknowledge it, right. And know it's okay. It's there. Uh, there's a, actually, I'll talk to you about this, this book at the end of the, and the thing that I just read, but there's a phrase from this book that talks about you have to be aware of your past. You're grounded in the present, but you're in charge of your next decisions. Okay. And this book is all about mindset. And uh, I picked it up a couple weeks ago and I just devoured it. And I, and I, that, that phrase just always stuck with me and it has to, it's very apropos to what we're talking about now. Um, so I may be grounded, you know, as a newbie leader with this, as you, you know, you, you kind of, uh, as you framed it, you know, you're kind of faking it till you make it, you got the insecurities. So you're grounded in the fact that that's the now, that's, that's your reality, but you are in charge of your next decisions. And that, do you stay grounded in that? Or do you figure out and, and, and to, to get out of it, leverage other people who are better than you, mentors, read, learn, make mistakes and keep moving forward? Mm -hmm. Or do you stay right there? Sure. So uh, in the course of your career, you saw different examples of leadership. You may have seen them with your peers. You may have seen them with your troops. You may have seen them in the executives who manage you uh, over time. Or executives, um, the executives that were managed by others. What, what's a great... When I mention that, when, when I ask, tell me about a great leader that you've been exposed to over the years, who immediately comes to mind? Um, well, I think the, 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 the first person I mentioned uh, who, who was in the agency, uh, he's, he's definitely, I've had, I've had the privilege of having mostly really good leaders, sometimes great leaders, this was a great leader and it was, I was just blessed because it was a, 
a seminal moment in my time when I had my first leadership position. But what, what made him so great was he, you got the job done because you wanted, you really wanted to please him. You want him to, to acknowledge that you got the job done. But I think a lot of it was he was great at assessing people and assessing strengths and areas for development and making sure that those areas of development were worked on without a way of making you feel like you were stupid. Um, he was also somebody that you could trust. And I think that's a huge part of it. I could go to him in confidence, tell him about any issues, either personal or, or private, and you know, it wouldn't get out. There wouldn't be any gossip, right? And he would give you wise counsel. Uh, he never made it feel like I was impinging on his time or any of us, you know, open door policy, but a lot of people open door policy and you knock on the door and you see the boss's face and it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm bothering them, right? So I'll come back later. It was never like that with him. He, come on in, you know, I might be in the middle of something, but obviously you knocked on the door because you need something, so come on in. He also provided excellent air cover, right? So, you know, people make mistakes and he always made sure that that philosophy was, this is my unit and Mike Howard may have made a mistake, but you know, uh, I'll take the hit as yep. the boss and then I'll talk to Mike about it accordingly or Joe or Sally or whoever. And I always like that because if you find people in these positions that as soon as the you know, proverbial something hits the fan, uh, you, you ain't got no air cover, you are by yourself, right? And so that was a big part of it. He was also, he was a mentor, right? to a whole generation of us, uh, selfless to the core. But I mean, he could, you know, he, he was a good taskmaster, get the job done. I expect you to get the job done. But this, the ability to, to, to be tough when you have to be, but also to have, you know, to understand people and to be approachable and a great sense of humor. I think having a great sense of humor is really important in being a great leader. It, it, it's really important. If nothing else, just to diffuse the situation or make the troops feel good, right? By right. laughing. Right, right. And those are those are those are the traits. Even to this day, I can see his face, I can see him, and, and I can see his boisterous laughter and the joking with people. And mm -hmm. uh, but when when things got serious, you got serious. And and uh, but but he gave you he gave you a chance, just like the person I write about in the Oakland Police Department, who. Uh, it gave me a chance in a different way in that he allowed me to learn from a mistake and to grow as opposed to doing something that could have stifled my, my sure. growth. Yeah. Sure. Well, right there, if everyone's paying attention, is probably the epilogue of the book right there, a scorecard for a great leader. So that, that was pretty amazing. I thank you for sharing that. And I can't wait for the book. Let me ask you two questions before you go. Uh, one is, uh, as you know, the community that was started 20 years ago. Um, it took a while for a trust fabric to take place, that we were all in it for something other than ourselves, back right. to them, right? And, uh, and then what it did, it, it created a flywheel. Um, but as, as we now shift to the next stage of the great conversation where the community is running this show, they're the ones who invite people to the table. The round table, I call it, because we're going to have a round table discussion. No one's at the head of the table here. And we're going to have a great discussion. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, so 
So I'm asking at the end of these sessions, who comes to mind that you think I should interview next in the great conversation? Yeah, that's easy. I think there are there are two people that, uh, that actually come to mind. Um, a gentleman by the name of Chris Rakow, and a lot of people in the industry know Chris. Chris is the CSO of Google. Um, he worked in, uh, he was a Navy SEAL officer, Naval Academy graduate, uh, worked at, I think a little bit with the FBI HRT, hostage rescue team. Uh, smart as a whip, um, tells it like it is, um, and just as supportive as you can be. And I think the second gentleman is, is a, a gentleman by the name of Nick Lavrian, and Nick is the CSO of Facebook. And, and Nick is kind of, to me, he's like the, one of the future people, leaders. He is a leader, but he, he'll be one of the ones that kind of leads us into this new era. era. He's, a, he's CIA, uh, but I, I like to joke with Nick that I was CIA during the Captain Kirk days, if you want to do the Star Trek analogy. And he's like Chris Pine in the new Star Trek movies, right? <laughs> but he's, again, uh, a, a really great leader. I was on a panel with him, actually, at Aziz a few years back. Uh, I think these folks would have interesting perspective on the current state and future state of security affairs. And uh, I think that uh, you, I think the whole audience, everybody would learn a lot about uh, a lot about these, these, you know, what it takes to become a, a leader and their particular journeys, I think, are, are outstanding. I very much appreciate that. The, I also wrote down one of the books I think you're recommending is Mindset. Yep. Yeah. It, it takes what it takes. Takes yeah. what it takes. And it's how to think neutrally in the... The gentleman's name is Trevor Moad, um, M-O, I'm trying to read it, M-O-A-W-A-D. His experience has been with sports teams. Uh, in fact, someone that's near and dear to both of us is, uh, you know, even though I'm, I'm Raider Nation now, but I'll always be uh, one of the 12s, uh, the forward from this book is from Russell Wilson. And he's worked with Russell for years along with other top athletes, but it's this mindset. Remember that the, uh, I'm aware of the past, I'm, I'm grounded in the present, but I am in charge of my next decisions. And uh, it, it's a wonderful book for all leaders. So when Seattle comes to Vegas, when the Seahawks come to Vegas, who are you rooting for? I say, I already got, the, I've, I've been through this already. It's when years ago, when I, when I, came, I came out of Pittsburgh to go to Seattle, and I, I love the I love the Steelers, so I went to a, person, a friend's house for a game, and I brought both jerseys. So first half <laughs> was Seahawks, second half was Pittsburgh, you know? So it'll be the same way here. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just see when they're going down with 20 seconds left in the game, we'll see who you're rooting for. <laughs> well, it'll probably be the Hawks because they obviously know they wrestled with Russell at the helm. They're a 20-second team, right? Well, this has been a great conversation with Mike Howard. What a great friend. What a great friend of the industry. And uh, I can't wait for the book to come out. We have any uh, specific time frame at all? Probably next year, but I will send you uh, some excerpts from it. Uh, well, why, why don't we just do this? When we're getting closer, let's have another great conversation. and We'll see how uh, uh, right, right before the launch and kind of help you with the launch. How's that? That sounds great. Sounds great to me, too. For those of you who want to see other great conversations with uh, 
amazing people like Mike Howard, go to sageconversations.com. But until then, thank you again, Mike Howard. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you.